Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Schnapp, a.k.a. the Serene Home Nursing Agency podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Condon. Schnapp is here to explore the inner workings of the American healthcare system. We want to educate and inspire our listeners by diving into the minds of healthcare professionals and people with extraordinary stories. The support that I feel like nurses got throughout the pandemic, like really did help me going. Like just like Starbucks downstairs in our hospital had like the whole entire place was covered with letters from kids from thank you so much, like for helping sick people when you can maybe get sick. And just all of that really did help. Today, we have a very special guest and a very close friend of mine. Her name is Jen McCoy, and she is an amazing nurse. We're going to talk a little bit about why Jen became a nurse, what inspires her, and COVID-19. Jen was a new nurse when the pandemic hit, so we will get a little bit of insight on what that was like and how difficult those times were being a nurse in the hospital. I'm very excited to have her on today's show, and I think you guys will enjoy this very, very much. Guys, be sure to look out for that hashtag nurse life so you guys could hear a bunch of different stories from nurses in the future just like Jen. Good morning, everybody. This is the Schnapp, the Serene Home Nursing Agency podcast. I am your host, Jesse Condon, and today we have a very special guest. It's actually one of my very close friends. Her name is Jen McCoy. Today we're going to speak about how she was a nurse during the pandemic on a COVID floor in a Long Island hospital. But before we get into that, I'd actually just want you guys to know a little bit more about Jen. So, Jen, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I just, like I said, I want the people to know a little bit more about yourself. So, um, let's start out with a little bit about you and why you became a nurse. So, anyone that knows me knows that I can talk about being a nurse for hours because I'm very passionate about it. I'm just a people person. I love helping people. I think that being a nurse is very very hard job, but the how rewarding it is takes over all of the hardships of how you don't sleep, how sometimes it's hard to go home and unwind from work and separate work and life, but the helping people and changing people's lives and being there for them in such hard times, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, we uh, Jen and I drove in together this morning and uh She's right. She could talk for a very long time about how she really does love her job. And I'm starting to see like a reoccurring theme on the show that like I'm having people on here that truthfully love what they're doing. And that's the type of people that I want to have on the show. So I'm happy that I get to interview one of my good friends and she truthfully loves her job as being a nurse, no matter how difficult it is, how hard it is to unwind after the job, like you said, but you still do it because you know that you love to help people. Going off of that, I wanted to ask you because I've never gone through nursing school. So You don't want and, to? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I want to know what was the hardest because you have been a nurse for about a year now, correct? Yeah. So I want to know what was the, was the process of becoming a nurse harder than you expected, I guess, like schooling and training. Like how was that? So schooling was just terrible, very – a lot of mental breakdowns and – it was really hard, but training was more scary because like hands-on when you realize you are like dealing with people's lives and if you make a mistake, you can actually harm someone. But the worst, not the worst, but the hardest part about becoming a nurse was becoming a nurse. I was on my own completely, like all of the training was done in January and the pandemic hit March and I don't even like beginning of March 
and I work on a neuro floor. So I work with like a lot of stroke patients, seizure patients, and it just completely turned into a COVID unit. Yeah. We're going to get into the COVID stuff in a little bit, but I like to relate that to home care a little bit because do you think that it was easier, a little bit easier um, on that stress level with having different doctors on the floor and, and more experienced nurses to help you? Because we speak a lot about how people usually transition from the hospital into home nursing. And it's a little weird because these people are used to having a team essentially on the floor in their hospital working together with several patients. And now they're kind of put into home care where they are by themselves. So they have to rely on their skills. So do you think that being in the hospital helped you a little bit grow as a nurse because you had people to help teach you? Totally. I work at a teaching hospital, so there's always someone to help you or a more experienced nurse. The doctors were right on the floor. So if we, especially during COVID, but even now, if we need a doctor, they're, they could be at the bedside. It definitely does. As a nurse, your number one thing is to advocate for your patients. Sometimes even the doctor will you know, put in an order and you're like, you don't agree with it because nurses see the patients the most, like all 12 hours I'm with the patient. So sometimes, you know, you have to advocate for the patient. So I feel like if I went into home care from a hospital, I would feel much more confident than just straight into home care. Do you think those interactions with the doctors help you learn more because you're saying you might not agree with it, but are the doctors that you work with good at shedding light on those reasons as to why they implement these different solutions for these uh, patients? Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's like a lot of teaching that goes on. And nor if we have any questions, the doctors are normally very, very good about explaining why. And we kind of, like you said, work as a team. It's all It's all about teamwork. Like that's another thing I love about nursing, the group of people that I work with. We have each other's back, doctors, nurses, everyone in the hospital, dietitians, like we all work together to get the best plan of care. That's awesome because we actually spoke on uh, our last episode on the SNAP. We had our director of nursing. Her name is Jen as well. We were talking about leadership a lot. And I think that's awesome that, well, not only awesome, I think it's very important because you guys literally have people's lives in your hands. So it's great to have good leaders, but the base of the hospital stems from the nurses. Like you guys are putting in the hours, you're doing a lot of the work. So it's good that you have these doctors there to train you and help you as leaders because if oh, yeah. you don't have a good leader, it's, it's hard to learn and it's hard to progress as in any business or any life setting essentially if you don't have a good like leading basis. Yeah. So now that we know a little bit about you as a nurse and uh, basically your daily operations and doing different things and learning from doctors in the hospital, I do want to touch on COVID. So like I said, Jen was, we can't mention the hospital, but Jen is a nurse that was fairly new. She told me that she worked in the hospital or started working as an actual nurse in October of 2019, so roughly a year ago. And the pandemic hit earlier on in 2020. And Jen was actually put on the COVID unit floor. So I kind of want to just know how was that, honestly, because it had to be stressful. You guys didn't know what was going on. No one really knew what was going on. And I want to know, essentially, like, do you feel like you were kind of like fed to the wolves because yes, that, definitely. that had to be a little scary. So actually, my unit that I was on 
turned into a COVID unit. So we came into work one day and one of the doors were closed. Signs on it, PPE, this and that. Like coronavirus was like a joke. Like I saw memes on the internet and it's like, what is this? Like, oh, this, this virus. And then what, like a door would be shut. And whoever had that patient in that, we had like one isolation room would be like, oh my God, I have the COVID patient, like whatever. And then it just started happening. We would come into work and every day there would just be like more, cause we keep the doors open, more and more doors shut. And we're like, wow, this is like, this is picking up, I, you know? And one day we came into work, every single door was shut. Everyone on our floor was Corona positive or we call it a PUI, person under investigation. So, but we still took the same precautions. That was someone you thought might have corona. And that was when um, the tests were taking longer to come back. Now we have the rapid tests. But, like, it was so scary. Um, I'd imagine it being scary because, like you said, we no one really knew what it was at this time. And I really am wondering from your point of view, because you're a new nurse, but I, I would feel, I would believe that even like experienced nurses probably weren't very prepared for the challenge at hand. So I wanted to know if you felt like with all of your training and schooling up to that point, were you prepared for that challenge or were you just like completely overwhelmed when you got into the hospital that day? I don't think anyone in the universe was prepared because like you said, it's we were dealing with something that no one knew anything about. You know, things would pop up on the internet. There's this, this is going to cure it, this and that. And like everyone would believe everything they saw, but no one knew what they were dealing with. It was very, the virus was very acute. Like someone would be totally fine. And then one minute they just weren't. And it would happen within seconds. So we, in the beginning, we we had – the doors were all shut and we didn't have glass. Later on, we got glass installed, but we were trying to limit our time. Like This is what we were told to do in the rooms because t- to save ourselves. So we would cluster up all the care, give all the meds, do the vital signs, everything kind of at once, and we would plan out our night. But the thing is you would open up that door and you didn't know what the patient was going to look like. We're used to just popping our heads in. I always joke about I'm like standing over my patients in the middle of the night, like just looking at them, making sure they're okay. Like we couldn't do that. So we would open up the door and, you know, some of these patients had dementia or other diseases where they're confused, old, they have oxygen on and they're like, rip it off. And you don't, you don't know that that's off. So you would walk in and their oxygen would be tanking and you just would walk into someone blue and you didn't like... No one could have been prepared for it because it's like, what do you, how can we like deal with this? Yeah, how can get we get ready for that? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Especially when, like you said, it's kind of like a surprise when you walk into the room, like you don't know. A very bad surprise. I think that's, yeah, that's really scary. Yeah. And like I said, I assume that it would be hard either or for new nurses as well as experienced nurses. And I remember when the pandemic first started. I was around a lot of people that kind of just thought it was a joke, like people were seeing it on social media, like you said, and they they weren't really taking it very serious. But I had known people in New York, several people that were really sick. We actually have a guest coming on here soon, I think. He went into a coma from coronavirus, 
right as the pandemic was starting. So he got into the hospital and it was empty and he woke up from a coma three weeks later and it was like chaos. So I remember being around all my friends like, oh, this is a hoax, like thinking it's like some type of conspiracy theory. And I'm like, no, like I know people that are literally like on like life support, like they're, they might die from this, like not thinking like people just didn't thought it was a joke. They didn't think it was real. Yeah. And I think I learned earlier on that it was serious. We did too. We like one night we were all sitting in a circle and two nights before we were talking about memes and we said to each other, we were like, we were just joking about like nurses. We were joking about this and now it's our reality and we like don't know what to do. Like it went from, we said it was like three days. Like it was like joke and then it was like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously that, that seriousness or the severity of this, pandemic hit you guys more than anyone and i remember literally because like i said i I learned earlier on than most of my friends i guess that i was around that this was serious because i was actually i was living in florida during the pandemic and i just knew it was really bad in new york and obviously you were working on long island so i remember texting you and literally saying like jen like you're you're a superhero like yeah. this and like it sounds literally funny, like but once like, like once a week like yeah. i would get a text like hey jen just want to let you know you're a superhero like yeah. you're killing it yeah because like people <laughs> just like you guys were literally on the front lines of COVID 19 and i thought that was just amazing like you you were seriously you were working like overnight shifts i remember getting like snapchats from you like all like dressed up in your gear wearing like 17 and a half masks with, with like, like lines on my face from the n95 yeah. mask I w- we had like cuts on our face by the end of it because of how like yeah. tight the masks and everything yeah so like you as well as all the other nurses in your hospital and every other hospital and along with the doctors like you guys are seriously like like superheroes like it, as funny as that sounds like you guys were seriously thrown into this like thrown to the wolves like i said before and you guys basically made the best of the situation and did what you could to help these people that were suffering from covid19 and i thought that was amazing so like i made it a point to tell you that every day because like i knew how stressful it probably was like i knew but i didn't actually know myself obviously so like for anyone who knows nurses that are dealing with this and even in working in a hospital every day despite covid19 like These people are on the front lines and they're dealing with things that if you're not a nurse and you're not in the healthcare industry, like you cannot imagine. So like I seriously make it a point to tell these people like you're doing a great job because like you were. And you felt it and like getting those texts even just meant so much because you feel defeated after a night of work like that, like not knowing what to expect, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I I feel like this is coming up a, a lot, like a common topic, like people don't realize how much just that little uh like that short text that i would send you once a week like how much that means like to help people keep going because like i remember we were as we were driving in here you were saying you had friends that wanted to quit they they were on the covid floor for one day and you're like oh my god like i can't do this and like you were there every day doing you you, like the way you put it to me was this is my life yeah so like that's that's unbelievable and we were in quarantine so i was home stuck in my house and then I would go right to work and I'm not gonna lie honestly the support that I feel like nurses got throughout the pandemic like really did help me going like just like I'm a light for my patients and when they couldn't see their family and whatnot 
I felt like everyone else, all like the things on social media, po- Starbucks downstairs in our hospital had like the whole entire place was covered with letters from kids, from pe- thank you so much, like for helping sick people when you can maybe get sick. And just all of that really did help. And I don't know if you know who Florence Nightingale is. I do not. I didn't think you did. Yeah. She like discovered nursing. She's the founder of nursing, the first like nurse ever. And she said that in whatever, however many years, 200 years ago was, in 200 years, which would be 2020, nurses will finally get the recognition that they need. It's like you can Google it. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. And I really feel like we did get recognition and it totally helped. Yeah, that that must be a crazy coincidence that we get the (laughs) pandemic in the exact year that she said that but seriously like (laughs) like, conspiracy theory yeah exactly but (laughs) i seriously truthfully and because i'm close with jen and i've heard different stories and we're gonna get into some pretty crazy stories in a little bit i just i know that you guys really truthfully are superheroes like that people need to know that nurses need that recognition because like EMTs too, like doing different things oh, like every, that. People, everyone, yeah, everyone that was on the front lines, like yeah. you know, that just had dealing to... with different things that no one else could imagine. Mm-hmm. No one really understands the severity of, but you guys do. And like, like I said, if you guys know a nurse, if it's your your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your family member, a friend, doesn't matter. Like, tell them that they're doing a good job, especially that like during these times. Like, it's very difficult to keep moving forward and keep pushing forward and like looking towards that light. I guess. Mm-hmm. That's probably a bad analogy. Look, yeah. Not looking towards no, the light. Not, yeah, yeah, not not. Yeah, we're gonna, no. <laughs> um, but like you, got, you guys get what I'm saying. Like it seriously. Like just keeping that mindset positive, and like no matter how much you went through, like you always kept that positive mindset because you're doing this to help people. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was amazing. So I was curious as to when the pandemic started, and now I guess you could you could transition off of both of them and, and talk about both things. What precautions did the hospitals take and are still taking for the COVID-19, including visitation and patient safety? So, like, I want you to transition off of, like, how it was in the beginning and how that basically has molded for how you guys operate now. So, definitely a little bit different. When COVID was bad, no visitation under – unless someone was dying and, like, they were saying their last goodbyes, there was no visitation at all in the hospital, which was – one of the hardest parts because these patients are stuck in a room, the door is closed. We come in looking like they can't even see our faces. And I like, I remember a lot of patients telling me like things, Oh, I remembered you from the other night from your voice. Like they couldn't even see us, what we looked like. So it must've been scary to see this like monster coming in your room. And actually our unit got an iPad for our unit that we would like, cover up in plastic bags and stuff. And we would FaceTime families through the iPad and they would be able to talk to their family. And like, just seeing that was like, was crazy. It was like heartbreaking because it was like the first time they don't know what's going to happen. They, they're sitting there looking at the news. The patients are don't even know what this virus says practically. So that was, that was very good that we had that. But, um, Really, we were their visitation. Like, we had to be their family member, be someone that cared, be someone that they can talk to while limiting our time in the rooms. So it was very hard. I mean, me personally, 
it got to a point where I was like, I don't even care about myself. Like, I just felt so bad for these patients that I would have taken off all my PPE and went in the room to help them. Like, that's just how I am and seeing how heartbreaking it was for these people. But we're still taking precautions. Visiting hours are only three to six. So it's still very hard. You know, I get patients all the time. They're like, patients that don't have COVID. Now our unit is a clean unit. Oh, so even people, even the floors that aren't COVID floors, visitations through to six. That's just social distancing and they have to wear masks and whatnot. But patients get screened now down in the ED and then they can't come up to our floor unless they test negative because we have a clean floor. Mm -hmm. Like, so I think there is only like one or two floors right now in the hospital that I'm at that are COVID. Okay. So they have to be screened and there's screening that the pe- that visitors have to go through to like temperature. Have you been out of this um, state and all stuff like that? So are the COVID currently, are the COVID cases still high in hospitals? Um, I haven't really been paying too much attention to the COVID numbers. I feel like the publicity and like the news and on social media kind of has died down a little bit, but it's obviously still present and it's pretty like. Yes, it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely still present. To be honest, I'm not too sure. I know that there's two units. I'm not too sure exactly the numbers. I heard on the news today, which I don't know if if that's like true, but that we're actually at the lowest amount of cases. So that's good. But there was a yeah in New York, but there was a spike. I know that there was a spike. There was a lot more people coming in. The units were filling up. So it definitely has died down, but it's still it's still there. Kind of backtracking to the beginning of the pandemic, Jen told me a pretty crazy story uh, coming in today as we were driving into the city, if you're comfortable with speaking about it, just so people do understand the severity of it, of COVID-19 and and how crazy this pandemic really is. Jen had a patient that wasn't really even your patient, right? You were just helping out. I'll I'll let you tell the story if if you'd like. Yeah. So... Like I said, it was a surprise to us to walk into the room because you just don't know. So it's called a a rapid response when a patient is declining. And what a rapid response does, it's like a code that gets called. And the whole doctor's team, the team's respiratory, just all different teams collaborate and they are at the bedside within minutes. So a rapid response was called on one of my best friend's patients we both started at the exact same time. So I call her my work wife. We like always work together. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's her patient. So I run into the room. I get all of my PPE on, which by the what way. What is PPE by the way? Just so Personal protective equipment. Okay. So, well, PPE is a whole nother story about how it was so short, what we were wearing to go into the rooms. But when an emergency happens, it takes a little while to get everything on and you know it's urgent that's what i'm that's when i what i was saying like i didn't even care at that point it's like you just have to you just want to run in but you have to protect yourself Mm -hmm. so i run in and the patient young 50s like was not supposed to be his time pretty much is what i say like yeah was deteriorating oxygen very low and um he was like sitting how i was in the chair I was standing right here. I ran in and I'm just sitting there with him. And I like, I have my hand on him. I'm rubbing his head, rubbing his head. I'm like, you're okay. You're okay. And he just kept telling me, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And like, at this time, like I said, no one 
even had a grasp on like how to deal with these patients. It was still so new. And we're trying to get everyone at the bedside. There's some people outside, but the door has to be shut. And we're just like yelling like, oh my God, he really can't breathe. Like, no, like we need you all to get in here. And he was hugging me. I've never met this man in my life. I, I, he was never my patient. I just went in there to help my friend. And, you know, she's yelling to the doctors and we need that. We need this. We need respiratory, this and that. And he just is looking at me like, like life, like with like, please help me. Like, and there was nothing I could do. And I'm just sitting there hugging him. I'm like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Like me and this man arm in arm. And he just went lifeless. And it was, I can't even. It was like nothing I've ever experienced, especially being a new nurse. I've never been in a code where someone loses their pulse and they need CPR. So CPR started right in the chair. Like we had to get him onto the bed. At this point, like I said, we had just started. I've never done CPR. I looked at my friend. She was, we both were like about to break down. We've never, like the feeling that I had, I'll never forget. And I actually said to her, I'm like, we need to remove ourselves from the room now. There's like 100 people in the room. Everyone's around. Everyone's like panicking. And we actually removed ourselves. And it was heartbreaking, really. Like yeah, someone um, someone like lo- like holding on to me for a stranger for deal life, like just goes to show how these patients, like the relationships that we made with these patients, like like and how they like tr- trusted us that we would help them. And of course, we tried everything that we could, but we lost him. And, you know, it was traumatizing, honestly. Yeah, I'm honestly sorry that you had to live through that. And like, this just goes back to my whole point of like how important you guys are and why I call nurses superheroes on the front lines, because like there is no possible way that you could train anyone to just learn how to deal with that experience like it, it, it's impossible and for to go into work you're not thinking oh my god like someone's gonna die in my arms today like it yeah. just happened and like that's that's dramatic like you know what i mean like that's that's terrible and i'm i'm happy that you do what you do because you do it for the right reasons you want to help people you want to help them through this pandemic you want to help them in future things that happen to that to patients and whatnot but like I said, it, it is so hard to cope with things like that. And I wanted to kind of get your opinion on like how after that experience, did it happen again? Or did that experience help you learn to cope with it? Because like I said, there's no way you could prepare for that situation. But yeah. did it help you in order to basically go into work the next the next shift? Like that might happen again. Like yeah. how did you cope with that? So I always tell people when they ask me, like, how is Corona? How how did you deal with it? And I was like, to be honest, I'll be blatantly honest with you. I drive to work every day. Work is work. I mean, you know, some days I'm like, oh, I really don't feel like working. But I love my job. I go to work and I'm like, at least I'm doing something I love. I'm going to help someone today. I'm all about positive mindset. When I'm on my way to work, it's going to be a good day. I drove to work during COVID and I was like, I – hate my life. Like, I hate this. The anxiety that I had, it was just, it's normally totally the opposite. 
So what was your question? Basically, how did you, did that experience help you learn to cope with situations like that? So it did definitely help me. I was way more prepared and started to just not limit my time in the rooms and peek my head in more, more than I could, even though like technically we weren't supposed to. It definitely did prepare me more. But like I said, that you can't train anyone for the emotional aspect that you see things and not even just COVID. You can never train anyone for the emotional aspects of it. You just need to like the way that I look at it is that I was he wasn't alone because there was yes, there was other more deaths and a lot of them happened. The patient was alone, especially in the ICU. I wasn't in the ICU, but you know, you, the patient, they just go. And I, for me, I was like, at least as traumatizing as it was, he wasn't alone and he was holding on to me. And I was telling him, you're okay. You know, like just trying to walk him through it. And if that's like, was my thing to him, yeah, then your way of um, helping him yeah, ease out of it. Yeah. Cause I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't taking care of him, but if that was my way of him not being alone mm-hmm. and, you know, being in someone's arms. Like, I'm glad that it was me. Yeah. I mean, to have someone there and someone, like I said, you're you're someone who truly is, was trying their best and, and you're trying to help him. So it's very sad that a lot of these people are not only not uh, are passing without their families there, but like you said, a lot of the patients are in the rooms without nurses there. So that experience is pretty wild because – you were really like the last thing that he saw yeah. and that the, the deepness of, of that situation is just, it's unbelievable because to see something cease to exist, literally yeah. like to, to watch the life leave from a being has to be unbelievable. And yeah. I've never experienced something like that, but I could just like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it and you had to, deal with that go home you t- you told me you broke down yeah yeah like any i think totally any, any i was like person white. with a beating heart would yeah you know what i mean and then you had to get yourself together and go right back into that covid unit yeah what was that next shift like scary Ang- like, i was anxious at all times and it just it got to a point where there was like there's you can only do the best that you give your patients the best care that you can. You have 12 hours to give them the best care possible. And sometimes like what happened with him later on, they found out that like it wasn't any, anything anyone else did. He just didn't, he wasn't going to make it because of other comorbidities, Mm -hmm. which is sad to know, but it was, Definitely, it made it harder, but I also was like, I'm, I felt more prepared. Like, I'm like, whereas there was a lot of other experienced people in the room, and where I said to my friend, I'm like, we should remove ourselves right now because we can't handle, like, this is the first time we've ever seen anything like this, and we're like, seriously can't even handle it. We were in people's way. Whereas the next time I was like, I know what to do now. It was like a learning experience in a very, very unfortunate way. But I definitely feel COVID definitely like it happening so fast and me being a new nurse definitely made me a better nurse all around, especially for 
if the, God forbid this it gets this bad again. Yeah, that was actually my next question. So from your experience, and like you said, you grew as a nurse from that experience, um, but not just you as an individual. I would say, I mean, your hospital and your floor, but as well as hospitals around Long Island and around the country, do you think that because of essentially getting thrown to the wolves, like I said, going through that experience, do you feel that as if now you guys are way more prepared for a second wave if a second wave were to hit? I mean, I definitely do. I still think, you know, there's no magic cure to COVID. So, but I think we slowly throughout the pandemic, the hospital kind of like adapted different things that we can do to monitor patients better. And I definitely feel like I would be more prepared. Our hospital actually held a, like an in-service where you can go for like 12 hours and you can learn how to like be a, a help to in the ICU if you wanted to like do overtime if COVID hit again. So they're like, they're even having workshops for like new nurses that didn't deal with COVID, like workshops to deal with it. And throughout this whole, this whole thing, there were so many things that not like that the hospital provided for us, like a respite room that you, you can go like during your break. And there was like salt lamps, positive quotes, all stuff like that, because like they knew how, tough it was emotionally Mm -hmm. on everyone yeah and the reason i ask about your guys preparedness for a second wave is i've been curious i've been asking a bunch of different people in the field and the reason i ask is because i believe that if something like this were to happen again in 10 years maybe not covid maybe something else like when we were kids uh swine flu Mm -hmm. so like if another pandemic was to happen i think that since this one was so severe Basically, that we would be a lot more prepared for something else to happen, even if it had different characteristics, if it attacked people differently than COVID does. I think hospitals and facilities and basically everywhere, like the way of life has has kind of changed from this. I think that any pandemic that kind of hits the United States or the world, yeah. we'd be a lot more prepared. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree. Even just like what to have at the bedside, like what what you need to have nearby and like mm-hmm. arms. You can't know because no one has dealt with this before. You can't know until you go through it. So it's mm-hmm. like you have people's lives in your hand, but it's like trial and error because yeah. it was just – there was no way to be prepared. But yeah. I do feel I would definitely be more prepared now. Yeah. I feel like a lot of hospitals and facilities – because it just came out of the blue, they didn't have enough supplies, right? You, you, what was it called? PPE. Yeah. You said like it was, it was kind of tough to get hold of like the your correct gear because like they were probably distributing it to so many hospitals, different facilities, nursing homes, whatnot. So I think now that this has happened, like I said, for any pandemic in the future, these facilities are going to be stocked up on stuff. Like they're they're going to have that stuff that they need in order to attack the pandemic at hand, whether it's COVID-19 or something new in the future. Yeah. We were using the same N95 mask for like a week. Really? So the N95 is the one that's like this serious one. Nothing gets through. Mm -hmm. The N95 and then we would wear a surgical mask, like a regular mask over it. And we would change that top mask. But the one underneath it, we would wear for like about until it was like Falling, you, falling, yeah. falling apart or like, all right, it's been a week and yeah, reusing the same mask on our faces, the 
the like gowns that we would put on. It's normally like a garbage bag material, mm-hmm. plastic, yeah. that nothing can go through. And there was a point where we were we sprayed water on us, went right through onto your clothes. Like we were not even protected. I would literally get undressed at my front door and put my stuff in a garbage bag and wash my clothes alone because you just it was we really weren't protected mm-hmm. well i'm glad knowing uh <laughs> mr and mrs mccoy that um you were able to take the right precautions coming home because a lot of people i believe especially the younger generation like our generation uh jen and i are 24 right now so I feel like a lot of people, like I said in the beginning, didn't take it very serious. And they're like, oh, I'm young. Uh, My immune system's good. I'll be fine. Not realizing that you could carry that on to someone else in your family. And like people were doing that. People were dying. So like not only is it super important to like wear your mask and uh, take the right precautions in public, but like also when you go home, like still, like we said, the pandemic is still here. People are acting like it's gone and it's not. Yeah. I know people that are still in the hospital with COVID that didn't have it this whole time and just got it. Now they're in the hospital. So mm-hmm. like people need to, I believe, and like, <laughs> I always say like if you want to take advice from a 24-year-old, um, <laughs> take it serious because it's it's not a joke. Like I said, I, I know people personally and it, I feel like it doesn't really hit people until they know someone personally that is sick from it that either passes away or almost passes away where they're like okay like maybe we should take the right precautions because like i realistically like it's hard to completely cut out like social life and and like our old way of life now that covid's here but like we try to take the right precautions we really only hang out with like a small group of friends yeah whereas like a lot of people like college are partying with hundreds of people yeah. So, like, I just don't believe that's very smart. My mom didn't hug me for, like, three – me and my mom are, like, mm-hmm. normally on top of each other. I think for, like, three months she, like, was so – like, when I would come home, like, I had my own toothpaste, like, everything. She would – you know, like, we really – like, we had to social distance mm-hmm. inside of my house for the whole time that I was working covid the only time she hugged me was that day that yeah. I lost the patient. And I came home and she was like, I just, I have to hug you. Like it was yeah. because I was like a mess. But I mean, you know, yeah, it is hard. It's hard not to like yeah. to see your friends and whatnot, but taking the precautions. Yes, yeah, that's life now. Yeah. Like I actually am someone who contracted the virus back in June and I would have never, ever known that I had it. Because I felt completely fine until my cousin was like, my cousin is, uh, he's like my manager at Serene. He works for Serene. And he was like, someone in our office had contracted and I was with him the day before. So he's like, you need to go do that. You need to go get tested. We took all the right precautions. We shut the office down. We operated from home. And I'm very proud of our agency. I I spoke about this our last episode. We did a very good job of keeping the company alive and keeping all of our patients safe, even when our office had to shut down because of COVID. So when I got it, I literally was in my house for two weeks. I didn't leave my house. I got groceries delivered. I didn't go to the gym. I was doing push-ups and sit-ups in my living room. I was playing with my dog all day long. Like I didn't do anything. I don't play video games and I was playing video games. Like that's like, but like that's what you got to do. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, But like people, 
I know people that had it and we're just still going out. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, that, that's just, they're like, it's I'm more, fine, it's the, but yeah, like, you're, you're going to hurt others. Yeah. And that's what was so scary was coming home to my parents. They both have health issues that mm-hmm. it was scary to know that like I could have it on my clothes and g- give it to them. Mm-hmm. It was just. Yeah. It's it overwhelming. Was ter- yeah. And I think that despite how overwhelming the pandemic was, not only did hospitals and like companies like our company, uh, like home nursing agencies and different facilities, like I spoke about before, not only did they take the right precautions, but no matter how overwhelming it was when I had coronavirus, the Department of Health was calling me every day, making sure, are you okay? What yeah. do you feel any new symptoms today? Have you left the house? Like yeah. making sure that these people are doing what they're supposed to do. So like, I'm glad that the healthcare system in the United States, like, was doing the right thing, taking the right precautions. Because yeah. if not, like, I seriously think that this could have been way worse. And it was already very bad. Yeah. They also, like, tried to scare people to stay home, which was good. Yeah, they should. By calling, I yeah. know. Because, like I said, it, it's it's not a joke. And I'm glad that we were able to take the right precautions. And not only on the level of the Department of Health, but, like I said, it's extremely important that – especially if another wave comes that people take the right precautions during this. Yeah. So getting off the topic of COVID, we kind of had like a little tearjerker story. (laughs) Um, I don't want to make the whole episode about coronavirus. I want to make it a little bit about just being a nurse. Yeah. And for someone who is a nurse and loves their job, despite the hardships that you've went through so far in your year of being an RN, Mm -hmm. if you have advice for anyone who – wants to become a nurse or wants to work in the field, what would that advice be? Um, don't do it just for the money because – You won't want to do it anymore. First of all, you don't even – the money is good, but you don't even get paid for enough for what you do. And some people are just in it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I don't work with anyone like that, but I just – you know, you have to want to be a nurse. Like you have people's – lives in your hand and if you do even want to be a nurse do it because the it's so rewarding i mean i just i love people i like my friends at work joke at, joke about how i'll like you know i'll give a report in the morning about a patient i'm like i love them but no matter what the patient could be like jumping out of the bed confused and i'm like i love them they're like what do you just love everyone i'm like i do like i just I have a heart for people and especially when they're like so sick and, you know, it's definitely the most rewarding job ever. It can be fun. You built, you, you meet people like I could, I won't because of HIPAA, but I can like rattle off patients' names that have, I've just like remembered because, and I'm sure that they remember me too. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a good feeling knowing like my, my favorite thing is I work on a floor so I don't work in the ICU. In the ICU, most patients are intubated. Like maybe you can't have as much conversation with them. I love floor nursing. It's the hardest. It's the busiest. I wouldn't say it's the hardest, actually, of ICU nurses. I give them so much credit. But it's very busy. And But I say, like, I love it because I like being able to, like, talk to my patients and be that light for them and just, mm-hmm. like, spread positivity. I'm, like I, I said it earlier, I'm all about – positive mindset and some of these people you know they for example have a stroke and like it takes a long time sometimes or you don't recover and to spread positivity to them and give them words of encouragement it just it makes me happy 
So basically what I'm taking out of that is your advice for others would be to do it for the right reasons. Yes. Because absolutely. This especially especially being a nurse in the hospital, especially during the pandemic, yeah. like money is not the reason why you should be doing this. No. And I agree with that. And I'm glad that you said if if you have any I any thought of you really want to be a nurse, then attack that head on because you will literally be a superhero. <laughs> like as, as like I said, as funny as that sounds, like if you're doing it for the right reasons and you truthfully care for your patients, that there's nothing cooler than that to me. Because like it's and I this is another common theme that's been coming up in uh, podcast episodes and um, just life conversations in general for me. Um, people don't. It's it's very rare that you have a job that you love. Mm-hmm. The majority of individuals don't do something that they love for a job. You know what I mean? So I don't know many people that love what they do. <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I, maybe like a handful of people, but I like I feel like if you it's a small niche. Yeah. With, like a small group of people. I look what I'm doing yeah. right now, guys. <laughs> I'm on air podcasting. <laughs> That's my job. And I'm yeah. I'm genuinely happy to be here. So for the people who are genuinely excited to become a nurse. Although I'm not a nurse, just knowing Jen, being around nurses all the time, my advice for you would be to just work hard and work towards that goal no matter how difficult it gets, like Jen said. And seriously, this is this is completely organic. This isn't Jen uh, scripting her her words to me. This is I, I hear her talk about this all the time. Like she's genuinely she feels so rewarded doing what she does. Like, she just would not stop talking about it. I can go on for way more than an hour if you want to yeah, keep I mean, it going. I'm, keep I'm, it rolling. Keep yeah, it rolling. I'm going to personally have to hear it uh, in the car <laughs> on the way home. Put some <laughs> headphones in or something. But, no, seriously, she – it's – if you're doing it for the right reasons, helping these people and doing the most you can, the best you can to help these people will be the most rewarding thing that you've ever done. Yeah. All right. So, you've heard Jen's advice. Um, you've heard her pretty uh heart touching story today and uh, a lot of different things that gone on with COVID and what she experienced and Jen seriously this was a great talk I learned a lot about what happened and I'm glad that our viewers and listeners are going to hear a lot about what actually went down in the trenches of COVID-19 during the pandemic in the hospitals so honestly thank you very much for coming out here today um I loved having you and, Loved uh, being here. Yeah, uh, I'll come back anytime. Yeah, hopefully we can have you back <laughs> in the future for the uh, the next pandemic, right? No, All right, guys, <laughs> no, maybe, maybe just on a, on a normal normal day. Okay. But thank you very much for coming, Jen. Thank you for listening to the Snap. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, please don't forget to follow us on Instagram and YouTube at the Snap. That's the S H N A P. This is your host Jesse Condon signing off.